Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Look who's sitting over there. It's Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. (laughs) Hey, where is your focus? Are you focusing on the cross? Well, we're going to share a story where the realization of the cross can change your life, and it's just proof. Um, And then, have you ever heard the idiom, there's something I can hang my hat on? I learned this week that not everybody has heard that idiom, but... Anyway, we're going to talk about it, uh, and we're going to talk about what is the ultimate thing that we can hang our hat on. Let's talk about our trivia question for last week. So our trivia question was, there was a guy who participated in a shorter event in track and field who won more than 100 races in a row. Who was it? How many consecutive races did he win? And what time period did the feat cover? And we had a lot of participation in this one. Really? Uh, yeah, we did. And, and it was good to see because I love Edwin Moses. Edwin Moses is such an interesting guy. He was so dominant in his event. I don't think there has ever been, I say that, you go back to Emil Zatopek maybe or somebody like that, but I don't know if there's been anybody that's dominated an event quite like Edwin Moses did because he did it for nine years, nine months, and nine days. He didn't lose a single race. You know, I got to be a little confessional here. When when you asked this question last week, I said I was going to go research it because I didn't know the name, but I didn't go research it. So when you sent me this outline and I saw the name, the name rang a bell. I was like, Edwin Moses, I know that name. Not because he's a runner, but because we actually talked about him in the very first edition of the 5K Challenge. Now, I don't know what context. I didn't go back and look at it. But I vividly remember that we talk about Edwin Moses in the first edition of the 5K Challenge. We'll have to go back and look at that and see exactly what we said. But that's how I knew his name. Yeah, son of a gun. Well, he won 107 consecutive finals, 122 consecutive races. Now, I just can't imagine going in and winning 122 races in a row. That's just, I mean, it's incredible to think that anybody could win that many. Of course, he set the the world record four times. The guy was born in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, has done some great things for his community. Super smart guy. He went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, and he majored in industrial engineering. Um, And, of course, he competed in track and field. Interestingly, while he was at Morehouse College, he didn't didn't compete in the 400-meter hurdles. He competed in the 120-meter hurdles. Uh, And so during this whole time, they didn't realize – how good he could be at the 400-meter hurdles, which is weird because he ran the 440-yard dash hmm. at Morehouse College. And so you would think he did the 400-meter dash and then the 120-meter hurdles, maybe put those two together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they finally did um, in 1976. And then once he began to focus on that particular event, he be- obviously became dominant. And it was interesting. Here was what the thing that was interesting about Moses was – 
that he was six feet two inches tall, which was really, really wow. tall for yeah. any runner yeah. at, at that time. Um, and we've seen some tall runners more recently do well. Right. But back in that day, tall runners didn't typically do well. So he was able to take 13 steps between each hurdle, which was unheard of in that day. In that day, most runners took 15 steps between hurdles, and he took 13. So he was able to cover a lot more ground per step. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made him a little bit more efficient in getting over those, uh, getting over those strides. And that's what led to him winning for almost 10 years consecutively. Um, interestingly, he, 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 he was really instrumental in doing something that's really important to our Olympic teams today. He, was, he worked for General Dynamics, industri- industrial engineer. Again, smart guy, worked for some big companies. And he was really, really instrumental in changing some of the Olympic rules. At that time, there, you were not allowed to be – you had to be an amateur – in order to compete mm-hmm. in the Olympics. And you still have to be an amateur, but it's a little bit different now. There, People are able to be sponsored by companies or sponsored by, you know, we've got guys sponsored by the Army um, that, that compete in the Olympics. We've got Home Depot uh, sponsors mm-hmm. a lot of Olympic athletes. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they allow them some flexibility and they allow them, they basically pay their living expenses. They technically work for the company, right? in air quotes. right. But they basically let them go and do as they please in training. Exactly. Which and is pretty incredible of those companies. It's it, And it is. Uh, but it, but Edwin Moses was on the very front edge of that and really? talking the Olympic Committee into do it, allowing that. Yeah. And uh, so he was, he was a trailblazer right. in, in that way. And then a little bit later, he started to work on anti-drug policies. So he was on the leading edge of that as well. And actually, in December of 1988, designed and created – Amateur sports first random out of competition drug testing. Hmm. So uh, Edwin Moses was really really instrumental not only in being this beacon of competitive. I mean, just the the the, the picture mm-hmm. of the great athlete, uh, but he was also instrumental in moving the sport forward mm-hmm. um, in more ways than just competitively. So, wow! And now we know. Yeah, and I love it when the you know when the the dominant guys are such good guys because sometimes, you know, you get that, that villain. Yeah. I, I remember, I think about NASCAR, and I think about how many people hated Dale Earnhardt yeah. when Dale Earnhardt <laughs> was, a, was a big name in, in NASCAR. Um, and I always, I always hate – it's kind of fun. You know, it's, a lot of people hate the Patriots. Yeah. You know? But Earnhardt was a little bit different in – People love to hate him. I mean, yeah. when Dale Earnhardt died, you saw what people really thought about him. I mean, yeah. he was True. loved True. by the people that even hated him. True. They, they hated they hated his team. They hated his car. But I think everybody loved Dale Earnhardt. And that's those type of athletes. It sounds like that's what Edwin was here. I mean, those are just top-notch, top-notch yeah. people. Yeah, you can have such such great respect. For yeah. them. But you Fierce know, Ed, competitors. Edwin Moses was one of those guys, though, that unless you were just a big fan of somebody else who ran the 400-meter hurdles, I think everybody loved yeah. him uh, yeah. openly. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting. I, I remember seeing, you know, Joshua Chepta guy, you know, is the guy that just set a couple of world records mm-hmm. in the 5,000 meters and the 10,000 meters on the track. And I saw an interview with him after, I think it was after setting the 10,000-meter record. And you can tell that he's really focused on, he understands his importance to track and field 
and how being a good ambassador is important. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really good to see, too. Yeah. Um, I remember back in the day, and these two names probably, you've probably never heard these names, um, Sebastian Coe and Steve Ovette. I've heard Sebastian Coe. They were fierce, fierce rivals. They were both from Great Britain. Um, they were really, really – one of them would set the world record, and then the other one would set the world record. they go back and forth, and they were just both great athletes, both from Great Britain. And I remember the media playing them off each other, mm-hmm. and the media really looking really positive on one of them, and the other guy was kind of the dark guy. I've never heard of the media doing that. No, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> we, we may have that happening right now. Uh <laughs> Which we won't get into. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting. One of the guys, when he, he won, somebody had said some negative things from the press about him. And um, and when he won the Olympic 1,500-meter final, which they didn't have him pegged to win, um, they thought he would win the 800-meter, and he didn't. And then he won the 1,500-meter, and they said all sorts of ugly things about him after he lost the 800-meter. And he walks over straight over to the media and basically tells him what he thinks. Hmm. There you go. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I, I just I love the uh, I love the way that we look at at athletes and we're able to lift some of them up and think they're such heroes and then others are such villains. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I know I've had my my villains over the years for sure. So so we have this new run club uh, exclusive thing going on. It's coming yeah. up. Yeah, well, it's actually out. It's, it's out, but it's it's coming up. Coming in the January the 17th. Um, we, and when I say we, our whole team, as well as hopefully everybody listening, will be embarking on the Couch to Marathon journey. I'm excited. It's been several years since I've run a marathon. You haven't run a marathon in a few it's years. It's been a few. A yeah. few years. Um, so we're all going to do this together. Some faster. Some slower, um, but but speed's not what it's what's at play here. Maybe for maybe for you, um, but we're excited about it. This is this is kind of this is the what's next. You know, we've had so many people who have gone through the five k challenge and the the ten k to half marathon for the period of time that that was out there. Um, but the couch to marathon challenge begins January the seventeenth. Now, we've created a link that is easy to remember. Go to runforgod.com forward slash marathon. You can sign in right there. You can learn all you want to know about it. We've got a lot of detailed information because it's a big commitment. So you want to get all the information you can. Pray about it. Uh, talk to your family about it. Talk to your friends about it. This is this is a good challenge to throw out in your community. Um, we're going to do it smart. We're going to do it sensibly. We're not going to overdo it. We know you're not going to skip ahead, right? Absolutely. Everybody listening, you're not going to skip ahead. If And people have asked, if what if I can already run a, a 10K? Then my suggestion is pause right there. Just pause your training at the 10K. And then when the program catches up to where you're at, then take off from there. Because what we want to do, if you're an existing runner, if, you, if you've ran for years, we want you to go find one or two or 10 or 20 people whom thinks they might not can do this, but have always dreamed about doing this. I actually come up with a, uh, 
and part of this quote may have come from somewhere else. I was I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and it made me think of this. Um, and I'm actually I'm actually going to pull it up here. Um, but the quote is, "A dream becomes a vision. A vision becomes a goal. A goal becomes a plan. Then and only then can you be living the dream." And that's what we're doing here. That's great. I think a lot of people dream about doing a marathon. I remember before I did my first one, it was it was a dream. Yeah. But dreams are just dreams. Yeah. Until you get all the way down to that plan. And I think what we have done is we have taken we've said, Okay, you have a dream, we'll take it from here. Yeah. We've put the vision in place, we've put the goals in place, and we've put the plan in place to make this a reality. And so it, after it's all said and done, you can be saying, I'm living the dream. That's right. At, at, least, in my, at least in my fitness life. Um, and there's all kind of stuff going to come along with this, including how to parallel this journey with your walk with Christ. So we're really excited about this. I'm extremely excited about it. I'm excited to, to jump back into the marathon world. Um, and uh, well, it's, t- it's going to be fun. I'll tell you what, what this vision is in my head is I keep thinking, I, I watch these people finish the 5K challenge. Oh, man. With tears in my eyes yeah. as they finish because they didn't think they could do it. And I just, the idea of watching people who don't think they can run a marathon cross that finish line is just, I, I, I just get so worked up about it. I, I just can't wait to see that because we're going to see that. Well, let, let me ask you the number, let, let me make the number one statement that we're going to hear. We've already heard it. And I want you to respond. I'm, I'm Joe Blow Runner out there listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Dean, I just don't think I can do a marathon. You can do a marathon. Mm-hmm. It's been done by so many people. And I, I've seen people do marathons that have no right doing a marathon. <laughs> they, just, they have every excuse not to be able to run a marathon, and they do it anyway. Um, I I promise you, if you're out there now, there are people who have some physical limitations that maybe not let them do it. But if you're just, maybe you're just you're just not. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you're just not very fast. Maybe um, you feel like you don't have the time to train. Let me assure you, you can find the time. Let me. If you can't articulate the medical reason why you can't do it. Then, then the answer it. is you can do it. Absolutely. Now, whether you have the desire to do it is another question. But I think most people that make that statement, they deep down they want to do it. Yeah. They love the idea. I mean, they tear up when they see their friends cross a finish line for the first time. I mean, like like Dean said, if 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 you get choked up seeing people around you cross their first five K finish line, man, I mean marathon is just it's incredible. And it's usually it's usually not a physical issue that takes people that stops people from completing their first marathon. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's the six inches between your ears. That's right. And it's 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 excuses, it's lack of motivation, it's it's burnout because nobody's doing it with you. We've taken care of all that. We've got yep. all the motivation. We've got the correct training plan, a safe training plan. We've got people who are going to be speaking into you all the time on Run Club, um, and, and and all this is going to be how much is it going to cost for Run Club members? 
27 cents a day. Well, that's that's to become a run club member. Be, yeah. But oh, if, for, if you're a run club member, how much is it? It's free. Free it's 90 free. Free. And and this this is just this is that thing. Yeah. You know, people say, "Man, that one thing makes run club worth it." Well, this is that thing. This is that thing. Um yep. you you would pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a training plan in some instances. Yep. A, a good training plan. We're giving you that, plus we're giving you everything. We're giving you all the things that usually take you out of the marathon. We're giving you that as part of it. The motivation, the encouragement, the the lessons, the life lessons that come along with this. There's so much more that you'll learn about life than just how to run. You're yeah. going to learn so much more through this process. And I'm excited about what I'm going to learn because I've never done it in this kind of setting before. Uh, I'm going to be very transparent during this process because I struggle. When training for a marathon, if somebody says they don't struggle, they're lying. That's right. <laughs> and so I know I'm going to be very transparent. And if I know you and Gay, you're going to be transparent. I don't know any other we, way. We may have to pull it out of Holly. You know, she's pretty <laughs> private. Um, but we're all going to be transparent about this because we're not superhuman, you know. People think we're the run for God, guys. We're super. No, I, I struggle just like everybody listening to this radio, and I think we're going to learn so much about ourselves and everybody else. Yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be a blast. So go to runforgod.com forward slash marathon. You're going to find out everything you need to know. All you have to be is a run club member to join us, and we're going to get started January the seventeenth. I can't wait. Hey, we're as always we're sponsored by J Radio, and it is the world's greatest digital music platform. If your teen is into rock and metal music that makes your ears bleed and your grandmother clutch her pearls, we can help. If your spouse yearns for music from the old days and wants to relive the music of their glory years, we can handle that. If you need a break from the day to spend time with God and recognize His goodness, we'd love to be a part of that. Whether it's rock and metal, classic songs from decades past, or heartfelt worship music, J Radio has you covered. Sign up for an account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store to start listening for free today. Hey, don't forget that you can send messages to dean at runforgod.com. Um, if you don't know about us, um, go to runforgod.com to learn more about us or runforgodrunclub.com to learn more about Run Club. Um, you can send me messages about any questions that you've got, uh, and I, I get those on occasion uh, from people that just uh, they just have a, a deep question that's bugged them and maybe they haven't found the answer to it. And, um, yeah, send those in, and we love to talk to especially Run Club members. So, um, And don't forget that we would love to hear your story. We're about to share somebody's story. Everybody has a story, and we love to hear your story because, frankly, somebody else needs to hear it. Mm-hmm. So um, have you ever struggled with your focus? Have you ever found yourself running away from God instead of running toward God? Then that, this next story, it's for you comes from Blair Jefferson from Naples, Florida, and it's called Focus on the Cross. When I first started running in the early 80s, I was running to escape reality and to avoid any type of pain. I found ways to run away from God because 
the pain was all around me. I was running away from God in search of pleasure. For the most part, I was running from myself because I was not balanced physically, mentally, or emotionally. Eventually, I came to the end of a dark and lonesome road, having run my entire race by myself and not having much success. One of the lowest and darkest points came when I weighed 210 pounds and found myself sitting on a set of train tracks at 2 a.m. I was ready to jump in front of the train and end the pain. I was depressed and suicidal. A flashback reminds me of that night when I could hear the train coming and I could see the sparks from the wheels as it came to a screeching stop. During that time of life, I was screaming for help, but I did not have any faith. So who was I screaming to? But the grace of God, by the grace of God, I have been counseled and retaught the difference between God's truth and the accuser's lies. For many years, I ran my race believing that I was a victim and not a victor. My spirit was broken, but God always heard my cries because the Bible tells me I am fearfully and wonderfully made in his image with a Christ-like mind. God has a purpose for my life, and he never wastes any hurts. Today, the foot of the cross is the beginning of my race every day. It is there that I surrender to win. Running has become my refuge, and it is my moving meditation. My body is a temple, and I want to serve the Lord with my time, talent, and treasures. There are days that I stumble forward, but I am convinced that God loves me no matter what, and nothing can separate me from God's merciful love. The race is not over, so I have to stay focused on the cross. I am running with God because I believe that God is alive and on the move pushing me toward the ultimate finish line man that's a great story blair uh as i was reading that this morning you know i thought about you know we talk about how my story doesn't seem powerful and impactful and i'm sure there have been times where blair thought my story's dark you know it Mm. doesn't seem impactful there's somebody out there who needs to hear this. And I, I'm saying this on the heels of a good friend of mine from high school overdosed two days ago and died. Oh. And I think about if he could have heard this story. He was in a dark place. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I say this to say that just like we've always said, your story is going to touch someone. Somebody is dealing with something Maybe it wasn't that heavy to you, but maybe it's crushing to somebody else. Yeah. And you you need to learn to articulate your story and tell it to those people who need to hear it. Because a lot of times if you've if you've been through that, then you can pick up on who needs to hear it. You you can see it in society. Yeah. And man, that a story like this will potentially it, it will. It will make a huge impact on somebody's life. So, so Blair, thank you for being transparent. And I mean, this is this was not an easy story to write. I know that. Yeah. And uh, kudos to her for for putting it out there. Amen. And this first scripture passage, Psalms one thirty nine thirteen and fourteen. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I have carved you in the palm of my hand. Again, we're at Psalm one thirty nine. We've been mm-hmm. there several times. Uh, and it it's th- this is a, a different version of it. 
Um, and it is, I, I love this version of it, and this is a little bit more than just that. 13, 14, this is 13, 14, 15, 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. For your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know, go ahead. (laughs) We talked about this before we came in here. You know, we always talk about, and Dean is really good about drawing attention to what's, what's before and after a verse, because we have so many verses that are are become taglines for our life and and that's okay um i can do all things through christ who strengthens me you know a lot of times that verse is taken a little bit out of context but it's still a great verse nonetheless and it's a great tagline this verse here usually what you see is i am fearfully and wonderfully made The, the verse actually says you are fearfully and wonderfully made but most of the times when we see it, and I think we've even had it uh, put on T-shirts before, it just says fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and I came across a, um, a newspaper article um, sometime back, and it said uh, the headline, and I've got it right here, the, the headline is one psalm, two causes, two meanings. And it's, it's I don't think this was their intention to to draw to attention the dangers of looking at a single verse, uh, but this is what I took from it, and it talks about a uh, there was a a lady in an abortion clinic uh, somewhere in the United States who that was her mission field, and she would have ladies come in who were doing consultations about abortion, and she was a Christian lady, and like I said, this was her mission field, and before the lady would leave. She would give them a Gideon Bible, which has obviously Psalms and Proverbs in it, and she would highlight this verse, the complete text, mm-hmm. and give it to the lady. And a lot of ladies would cancel the abortion because the Holy Spirit, through God's Word, would, would convict their heart. And and this was this lady's mission field. But then it goes to the flip side, and the talking about there are some some organizations out there some pro-abortion organizations who who use the the christian banner and they they actually use the fearfully and wonderfully made just those words yeah as somehow that that makes them champions of abortion and that's why that's why i love that we always focus on the before and the after because in, in the second example, if if you read the rest of the verse, you know that that is extremely taken out of context yeah. in the most extreme. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, this is this is one of those things where um, if you're out there and, and you are listening to this and you don't understand that this is who you are, mm-hmm. understand that this is who you are. That, that God loves you so much and that he knew you before you ever were born. Right. And that this is so critical to who we are as Christians to understand that that's the depth and that's the, the, the knowledge that God has of each one of us. Sure. 
Uh, it's, it's so so incredible. Um, and he talks uh, in the, just the verses before this talk about the light, which we're gonna we're gonna talk about in the next segment. But it says, "If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you." This is, so, this is such the positive verse. This is mm-hmm. so incredibly. Um, it just shows us how important we are to God. And, and two things we know. God is love and God is light. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I scribbled down here. I said, try taking a 100-watt light bulb into a dark room to try to see the darkness. <laughs> it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work with God because God is light. And, and you and I were talking again before this podcast of, you know, I think that's why as Christians – um certain sectors of our population are trying to censor us and 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 i'm not saying this in a political way i'm saying it in a reality way because people who live in darkness people who are steeped in darkness and that's where they that's where they want to be they don't want the light right because light exposes things light bleaches things light brings joy to things and and that light is is Jesus Christ, and that's mm-hmm. why that's why that there is a an effort to silence God's word because yeah. God's word is nothing but light. That's right. And I think as a society, as as Christians, we need we need to understand this fact, and we need to do everything in our power to lawfully and legally. Oppose this movement and shine that light. Absolutely. I mean, we're sitting in a studio, J103, their tagline is shining the light. And I'm looking at the light bulb right behind you right now. That's what we're supposed to be. But too many times we we cower. And I don't say that in a derogatory manner. We we back away because we don't want confrontation. And and I don't want confrontation either. but we have to learn that shining the light is not always going to it's not always going to be roses and good things sometimes it's going to it's going to come with resistance yeah and we have to be ready for that absolutely absolutely the second scripture passage is 2 Corinthians 5.17, another one we've heard a lot. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You know, Paul's talking about reconciliation here. Um, mm-hmm. He's explaining how, how God made a way through Jesus to be reconciled to God. And that's, that's so crazy and important for people to understand. I mean, that's what Jesus was all about. Without the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, without the gift of Jesus Christ, this book doesn't mean anything. Right. I mean, it. it Christianity means nothing. Well, I mean, there again, this is in a, in a different light. This is light here. You know, the and it, the world and the devil and the evil one tell us, you messed up. You did that thing in your past or, yep. or you did that thing in your recent past and you can't be reconciled. You might as well just give up. That's the lie that the evil one tells us. God's word is clear. We're all sinners. You're, Every we're one of us. We're all sinners. There, there is... There, <laughs> it's, it's not a varying degree. Right. It's we are all sinners. Right. 
Yep. And and people say, well, I was, you know, people. I love to hear the the phrase and you talk about certain sins and things like that. And people say, well, I was born that way. Yeah, you were. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> we were all born sinners. Yep. But we have a God who very very bluntly says here, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, new, new creation, born again square, or born square. We're born again, um, and our old is gone, and our new has come. Now, do we have to deal with our old self sometimes? Absolutely. This doesn't free us from consequences from our past, but it guarantees our future. Yeah. And it's just, it's there again, it's another scripture of, of God's light. Yeah, yeah. And then Second Timothy 2.5, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. You know, when we, when we become a new creation, um, we always have the intention of following the rules at that moment when we pray that prayer. Um, you know, it talks about this whole idea of this victor can't be a, uh, awarded this wreath. Back, back in that day, that's what the, that's what the award was. It was, mm-hmm. a, it was a laurel wreath. That's why the Boston Marathon still, still does that today because it, it's reminiscent of all of that that happened back in that day. Um, so the idea and the picture here that, that's being painted, I think, is that it's, it's not a matter – this isn't a matter of salvation. This is a matter of reward. Mm-hmm. Um, heaven and its glory, it's, it's there for all of those who do – and follow Christ, which is following the rules, which is what he's talking about. Yeah, and you hear a lot of debate about this verse. A lot of people try to try to spin it as it is talking about you can lose your salvation, but that's that's not right. Actually, my son and my two sons and Holly and I were talking about this just the other night, not this particular verse, but the idea of reward in heaven, treasure in heaven. And that's – I think we may have even talked about that this last yeah. week on the yeah. podcast, and, and Lane was really having a hard time with wrapping his head around – treasure in heaven you know and and I, I i always say this i compare it back to my relationship with my kids and what this verse is is saying here is is exactly the same thing if if lane or landon do what i ask of them if they live the way that i have taught them they're going to be rewarded from mm-hmm. me you know i'm gonna uh, i'm not gonna love them more but they'll get to do more things there'll, there'll be rewards for doing what is right when they when they do what is wrong there are consequences Mm -hmm. but that doesn't make them not my son and so i think that's that's the way we have to look at this verse and where we get hung up a lot of times is the reward and and i'm actually been studying this some right now and I, i don't know that we will ever know on this side of glory what exactly this scripture is talking about when it comes to rewards because we always want to put it in earthly context. Yeah. This is not in an earthly context. Yep. I don't know what context it's in. It's in a heavenly context. I know that. But what does reward mean? Reward mean? I really don't know. Um, maybe somebody can educate me, somebody that's much smarter biblically than me, but I don't have to know. And, and that's the thing that we, we talked about this last week. I don't. I don't have to know because I trust that Jesus is who he says he is. And so I don't have to know, just like we talked about last week, I don't have to know what we're talking on this podcast because I have a relationship with you and I trust what you say. It's the same thing here. 
and we just have to believe. And what we do know, just based on everything we know about God, is that that reward is going to be greater than anything we could imagine. We can't even imagine it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think this is where there's a separation sometimes. You see somebody who they pray pray this prayer, and then they kind of go back to where they were, and there's, there's not that change. Make make no mistake. There are there there are there's a change when sure. when in your heart and in your belief and in your inmost deepest being, you believe this. There is a change in you, and um, those changes don't come rapidly though. And we're gonna talk. I'll talk about that here in a little while, um, with myself, um, because I've I've undergone changes in my life, but they don't happen overnight. Mm. But it's a it's a process that begins the day. That's why he uses terms like molding and chiseling. And he doesn't use terms like all of a sudden change. There is a transformation that takes place, but the change that takes place in your life, that that takes place over years. And that's that's chiseled away by wisdom and and failure and struggles and all the things that Paul talks about. That is where the change takes place. Like yeah. I said, you know, I think we've talked about this on here before, but the older Paul got, the more he referred to himself as a sinner. Yeah. And that's the change that takes place in us. We see we see how how little we are in comparison to God the longer we walk on this road. Yeah, yeah. Question one, why is the cross the focal point of our race? You've got to have a goal. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, Yeah, and and without Christ, there's no way to reach that goal. Right. Uh, Because our our goal is to one day be with our Heavenly Father in heaven, and you can't do that without Christ. Um, (laughs) We know where the finish line is, right? The, the finish line is 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 heaven. That's where we all want to be, and uh, it would be like the the race starts in that direction, and me just saying, you know what? Instead of running that course, I'm going to try to find my way to the mm-hmm. finish line, and not following all the signs and everything. Would you find the finish line? No, you're not going to find the finish line. You're just not going to just run into the finish line. Right. Um, you you got to. You, well, I've heard it compared before to the cross is the waypoint we put in our GPS. That's good. And the GPS tells us exactly how to get there. Now, if you just go hop in your car and say, hmm, I'm going to try to get to Panama City Beach, Florida, and you don't punch it in your GPS, and you don't pull out a map to look and see where it's at, what are the chances of you getting to Panama City Beach? Pretty slim. Very, very slim. My my wife has even had maps before and didn't get to Panama City Beach. We won't go into, we won't that. Go into that story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean it it is our waypoint by which we calibrate our internal GPS and once once we hit go, as long as we follow that direction, we're going to be fine. Yep. Yep. So, like the scripture says, you know, we're not if we're not complete competing by the rules, sure. there is no reward. So we have to follow those rules, or the map in this case. Question number two, how does the cross remind us that God is above all circumstances? I think about Paul in this one. Mm-hmm. I think about how he talks about basically being, 
being okay with all circumstances. And he talked about how he learned to live with a little. He learned to live with a lot. He he could be whatever he needed to be in the moment for Christ. Um, God is above all circumstances because it doesn't really – our circumstances matter to us. They have an impact on us. They uh, emotionally and physically and everything else um, – but the truth is, is that they don't really matter in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things. I mean, let's let's go back to our kids. How many times have you seen you had kids? Mm-hmm. H- how many times when they were little that you just saw them absolutely freaking out about some situation? <laughs> maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend. It may be not making the whatever team. And to them. And this is where I have to – this is where Holly's empathy is so much more than mine. <laughs> and it's why I'm glad that God's empathy is more like my wife's than mine. <laughs> because, you know, I, I tend to just say, well, get over it. It's no big deal. But to them, it's the end of the world. Yeah. You know, their world is falling down all around them with whatever this situation is. And here I am, and rightfully so, I know that it's not the end of the world. I yeah. know that this is just a blip in their road. It's just a little speed bump that they're going over, but they don't know that. And it, there again, it's that relationship is how I always relate this to my relationship with Christ. There's been many times recently where I thought my world is just coming down. It's over. God, just take me on. Yeah. But God's, I mean, God was looking at Blair's circumstances, sitting on that railroad track. Yeah. She was literally and almost physically at the end. Yeah. But God was up there cool as a cucumber <laughs> thinking, I've got this. Yeah. And if if we could ever just look at things from that perspective, man, what a difference it would make. And I think with wisdom and through the years, we talked about the change that takes place. We get better at that. Yeah. But I don't think we'll ever master it. I think it's so interesting, and this is kind of off topic a little bit, that God puts people together that are complementary to each other, like you and Holly, mm. uh, because you guys really are. It really is just completely. And I th- this morning I was reading John 21, mm-hmm. and it was you know it's the story about where the guys are like, what are we going to do? Let's go fish. And they go out and they go in this boat. Jesus is gone. And then there's Jesus on the shore. You know, and he's talking to him, and then Peter. You know, they all realize, oh, that, that's Jesus. And Peter gets so excited, and he jumps out of the boat, and he swims towards, because that's in the moment he's excited about, it, and that's what you would do. <laughs> yeah, Holly would be in the boat, and she would go, okay, we need to get these fish in, right? <laughs> and she would pull those fish get to the, the shore, paddles. and she would get everything, and she would be the responsible one to bring everything in, and and um, and that would be. Because after that, they used those fish. Right. Jesus used those fish afterwards, and they were important to the story. But we we get so excited about Peter and his personality and what how exciting that was and how cool that was. But those other personalities were just as important. Well, and when we talk – and I know we're getting off topic here, but when we talk, <laughs> talk about the empathy of God, and I don't know if this is the right – I don't know if that's the right word to use. I, I'm not um, – <laughs> We'll I'm, not, I'm not doctrinally <laughs> educated right here, but I think about we, – we talked about this a, a few months. It's funny how we get on these topics and they just keep coming back. Maybe God's trying to tell us something. <laughs> but when Jesus was 
talking to Mary and Martha and Lazarus had died, and, and obviously the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Yeah. I don't think I would have wept. Right. I would have said, what is wrong with you? I'm, I'm about to bring him back to life. Everybody <laughs> knows this. Yeah. But Jesus, God, is merciful. Yeah. He's empathetic. Somebody correct me if I'm using that in the wrong way, but God has empathy. Yeah. He relates to us because he has been us. He has that's the reason God came to this earth. So that we could we could relate to him and he could relate to us. And that that is that was a game changer. Yeah. That I can relate and the creator of the world can relate to me. Yeah. Um I I, I don't know where we were going with those thoughts, well, but we got right. we got off the tracks. <laughs> Sorry, folks. The last question was, how does the cross help us remember that God the Father loves us unconditionally? I mean, it's the ultimate sacrifice, right? Yeah. I can't imagine. I think sometimes we forget the symbolism of the cross. I think, weird as that sounds. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that there are times, because I'm like you, I'm the practical guy. I'm not the emotional guy. I'm, the, I'm kind of practical. And so there have been times where I've thought in my life, I thought, God knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. He knew Jesus was going to be alive again, that, you know, that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. So was it really a big deal to him? And Jesus knew that. Yeah. But was that really, you know, and so you think, yes, it was a big deal. Can you imagine, even if I knew that my son, my son was going to go through some horrific thing that I knew was going to be okay in a few days. But this horrific thing wasn't just, it wasn't anything that he did, and it was all suffering on his part for everybody else's, what they did. Mm -hmm. How hard would that be to watch that? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the cross is, is the understanding that that's how much God loved us, that he watched that happen knowing why it was happening and turned away and turned away yeah that's that's the part that really gets you is how could you there, not? there's i don't know if <laughs> there's nothing that could be done for me allow that to happen to my kids number one right and if it were to happen there's nothing that could be said that would make me turn away from it but yeah he did yeah for us for me, for you, for everybody listening to this podcast. And that's it's a game changer. And people it, need to know it. Yeah, and if you're out there and you don't under, fully understand the cross, please, please, please reach out. Reach out to somebody. Or and, go to runforgod.com forward slash peace with God. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's told pretty plainly yeah. there through a few videos, and, and yep. we encourage you to go look at them. We had a, had a person from Brazil. Yeah. Overnight, uh, made a decision on our website, and that just gave me goosebumps when I saw it. That how, is awesome. How God works while you and I are sleeping. Yep. God's up to something. God's busy. Yep. There is power in people's stories. It's a challenging time. 
What do you do when everything you believe about God is being tested and God doesn't look like the good father that he says he does? You've got layers and layers and layers of hate in your heart. It, it takes God to clean it out. Your story can help encourage others around the country, just like these stories have. You can walk through a simple process of sharing your story with the Big Share app. Download the Big Share app in your app store to start sharing hope with others. All right, it is time for Dean's Thoughts, and that is a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. And this one's interesting because the the title of the story is Find Something to Hang Your Hat On. Well, I've used that phrase my whole life, Mm -hmm. and I thought that everybody knew what that phrase was. And so I was talking with some of my college team the other day, and I, I, I made – I was tell, kind of te- – I wasn't telling them about this story, but I was kind of referring to some of the things in this story, and I, I made – I used that phrase. And they were like, what in the world does that mean? And so if you're out there and you don't know what the phrase, find something to hang your hat on, means, I hope that this story is uh, – So i got to ask. I know, I know all the girls. Was it, was it the girls who transferred here from up north or – or was it some of our girls that are from here in the South? Because I tend to think that that's a Southern term. And you are correct in your Am assumption. I? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good catch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had two of them with me. One from the so South. She's one listening. From, she knows who she is. She does. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so again, this one's called "Find Something to Hang Your Hat On." There were a lot more hats in circulation a hundred years ago than there are today. Many of today's hats are billboards for a particular sports team or an idea. Of course, that is a fairly recent invention. A hundred years ago, hats were both functional and fashionable. Uh, I suppose the same could be said for today, but they were often used when dressing nice, whereas today they're mostly casual. Back then, there were hat shops in every downtown. The hat you chose was an important decision, so where you stored that hat became important, too. Not only that, many hats were pretty expensive, so you wanted to take good care of them. Today, we use the idiom, something to hang my hat on. It means something to be relied upon. When running is not going as planned, sometimes we need something to hang our hat on. When our confidence is waning, it is important to find something to keep our thoughts positive. For example, it's easy to get caught up in the negative thought patterns that a minor injury can bring. But we know that those negative thoughts will not help us heal. And those thoughts can take our focus off the things we need to do to heal that injury. It's a little like someone who is constantly complaining that they don't have time to do something. (laughs) And if they spent less time complaining, they could get more done. Likewise, if you spend time feeling sorry for yourself, you won't be focused on the strengthening, icing, stretching, and anything else that might make you better. After a bad race or even a bad run, think back to positive thoughts and accomplishments. I recently had an athlete who was consumed with a couple of poor workouts, completely forgetting about all the great workouts she had completed. That is no place to hang your hat. Go back to that definition, something to be relied upon. Bad runs or workouts are not what we should be relying on. Instead, hang your hat on the fact that your mileage overall has been adequate, 
or you feel stronger, even if you're not running faster, maybe. Find something. It's there. There's a song lyric from an old rock group named Rush that goes like this. All of us get lost in the darkness. Dreamers learn to steer by the stars. We will all go through times in our running journeys, but how we focus, or excuse me, through tough times in our running journeys, but how we focus our attention when things are bleak may make all the difference. If you're wandering in the darkness with no direction, you're likely to be lost when the light comes back on. But if you can learn to focus from what little light you have, you can stay on the best path possible for you. There are a ton of references to light in the Bible. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's John 8, 12. The Bible consistently uses light to illustrate good, while darkness illustrates bad or evil. Light is extremely important to us every day. Before the advent of fancy electronic equipment, ships had to navigate by stars and then focus on lighthouses and buoys with lights to steer through the local areas. It was critical that they calculated and navigated correctly, or else the consequences could be dire. So, too, are we to look toward the light, the positive things, to navigate and steer our lives. Genesis 1-4 says God saw the light, saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. There are times for all of us that we have to go through darkness. But for the Christian, there is always some light because Jesus is always near. If there are no other lights around, use his light to travel the best path. Learn to steer using him as your star. So if you're traveling down a dark road and you're running, find the light and hang your hat on it. If you're seeing far too much darkness in your life or the world around you, hang your hat on the one true light, Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's a great, great story, Dean. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, I was trying to give examples when you were when you were reading that, and I, I, I punched, or I wrote down, there's a definition for darkness. But other than God or Jesus, there is no definition for light. Have you ever thought about that? Darkness is the absence of light. It's the definition. Yeah. But light is not the definition. Or light is not the absence of, of darkness. darkness. Yeah. And, in fact, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. It's one of his six, is it six or seven I am yeah. phrases in the Bible. Um. And so many times I'm thinking about these two stories um, with Blair's story. She, sitting on those train tracks, she was staring into an abyss of darkness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, with my friend that I talked about, he succumbed to, a, to an abyss of darkness. But what anybody in those situations can do is very, very simple. Mm-hmm turn around yeah because the light's there mm. you just got to turn around and that's i mean that's repentance we hear we hear all these things of turn yeah and god's right there he's not way off where you can't see he's he's right there and i think about looking off into a cave you know i, I don't know why this picture came into my head but you're you're looking down into a cave on a starry night you see zero light none mm -hmm. 
but you turn around and even though those stars are how many ever thousands millions of miles away yeah Yeah. you see them yeah and it's just a great story um i I love the subject of jesus is light he is the light of the world and um it's so simple it's 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 such a simple idea that we complicate too many times um but all you gotta do is turn around yeah, and I think about there. There are there are also false lights out there too. Sure. Because I'm thinking about Blair and sitting on those tracks. There's a light on the front of that train. Right. That she's looking at. Yeah. And that's not the light. Right. And so we got to make sure because let's face it, the evil one is busy trying to disguise everything as light. Right. When we know it's dark. Right. And uh, yeah, we want to stay away from those lights. So you know, from a running perspective, dwelling on negative things never results in anything positive in your running. If you're, I, I use the example of an injury, but there's a hundred different things out there that we dwell on that are negative. I'm not fast enough or whatever it is. Uh, I didn't have a good workout. It doesn't matter, but we dwell on those negative things and we forget about all the positive things. Mm-hmm. And I see the kids do it all the time. Well, you know? and we do it all the time. We do it all the time. I, do it, I did it this past week <laughs> with, you know, for me it's, you know, one of your kids does something. And you know how I am. We've had these conversations. And I'll dwell on it, and I'll stew on it, and I'll get upset, and I'll get more mad about it. And before I know it, I've just ruined my day. I've ruined my wife's day and my whole family's day because of one little bad thing. Now, should we discipline and correct our kids? Absolutely. But I let it consume me. Yeah. And that that's that's turning towards that darkness. Yeah. And I, I have to consciously remind myself, and I think we all have to do this, don't go there. Yeah. Nip it in the bud. That's another southern term maybe. Um, take care of it and then move on. Take care of it and move on. But the evil one wants us to – he wants us to walk down into that cave and just get darker and darker and darker when we need to take care of whatever it is. And turn back around to the light. Yeah. And it makes all the difference in the world when, you know, there's been times where I just sit down and I say, God, I'm 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 not acting the way I should here. Yeah. I'm letting this consume me, take it from me. And guess what he always does? He takes it. He from takes me. it. Yep. And yep. but we've got to turn around. Yeah. And it's an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing to say, hard thing to do. Yeah. And everybody's got a different thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're. You're. That's. Yeah. You're right. That's your thing. Right. Um. That wouldn't be Holly's thing. No. Holly's not going to get hey, worked no. up about no. something like. No. It's just not going to. That's not her. But she's, it's it's other things that I but, think are ridiculous. It's yeah. Like, how, why are you letting that bother you? And she's saying the same thing about that's me. Exactly. You know. We take the we we've taken those enneagrams, and I'm a one. She's a nine, or or vice versa. And yeah. So. I mean, Paula Abdul had it right when she said opposites attract, I guess. I, I guess so. Uh, never thought we'd have a Paula Abdul <laughs> reference, uh, nor, nor Rush. So yeah. we've, uh, we've gone way off the rails here. Um, yeah, we, we, we look at moods that way. We, we look at brightness. We talk about anything positive is bright, right? Right. A good student is a bright student. Right. Um, you know, a kid who has suicidal thoughts has dark thoughts Mm -hmm. it's all throughout our language it's not just biblically and in in our but it's all biblical but it's all biblical that's right it is yeah yeah where there is light there is no darkness um 
Yeah. Hey, if you haven't become a coach yet and you, you're a candidate for that, then you need to become a coach. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. We are back, and you know, we don't talk about nutrition a ton on here, mostly because we're not nutritional experts, and so we don't talk about it much, but I read something recently that had some tips that were meant to say, here's some things you can do that are really simple, where you can, it's not changing your whole lifestyle, Mm -hmm. and I thought, each one of these is interesting, and so I thought I'd just share these, because I think they're interesting. One. Don't cut anything out of your diet completely. One donut will not kill you. But or three one is, Reese cup. Yeah, or one Reese cup will not kill you. But three is bad, right? Three is going over. You don't need three. Well, one is okay every once in a while. I like the three packs sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, but, you know, the whole idea is that when we try to deprive ourselves of something that we really, really like, mm-hmm. um, that usually results in at some point in time we just break. And we go yeah. back to that thing. And so it's okay to occasionally mm-hmm. uh, do that. Um, number two, don't ignore cravings um, and find better ways to, to satisfy them. And so an example of that might be, um, let's see, I like, you know, I like to eat candy bars. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, you know what is, is kind of similar to a candy bar? Now, it doesn't taste the same, but it's kind of similar to a candy bar that is way better is a banana. Eat a banana instead of a Snickers bar. It'll make a huge difference. Those are nothing alike, Dean. They're not, but there's, yeah. <laughs> I think about but some I, people crave saltiness. Yeah. So eat salted peanuts instead of potato chips. There you go. That's a good one, too. But yeah. Snickers bar to banana, really? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love bananas. I probably eat I probably eat four bananas a day. I like bananas, too, yeah. but they're not a substitute for a Snickers bar. Well. I don't really me. know what is a substitute for a Snickers bar, but it's uh, not a banana. How about this one? Stop eating uh, eating out and taking deliveries. Um, prepare your own meals. Our own meals are going to be better for us than eating out. You know, I think if Corona did anything, we don't eat out near as much as we used to. Yeah, I think that's uh, been good. And that's good. a good thing. I've, I've, I've learned how to cook a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy it. Yeah. And it's cheaper. Saves yeah. money. And it's better for you. So, um, But, yeah, I, I still like to go out every now and then there again it's just it's all moderation it is everything you're talking about here is just that's exactly moderation how about this one uh find another habit rather than eating when you're bored you know a lot of us and i'm guilty totally guilty of sitting on the couch at night i'm doing something and maybe i'm watching television and i'm i'm feeding myself something um find something else to do Uh, see i've never struggled with that I struggle with a lot of the other things. Yeah, but, but that one's do. not one, not one for me. But I know a lot of people that do. 
And then, and then if you're going to do that, eat something that's good. You know, Debbie and I sometimes we'll sit on the couch and we'll have a we'll have a whole container of grapes between us, hmm. and we'll we'll eat some grapes. Well, yeah. you know, grapes are pretty good for you. Right. So um, now, too many of them isn't. But mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. how about this one? Do something every day, even if it's just ten minutes. I often hear people say, "I don't have time for a run." Well, okay, you don't have time for a run. I think it was Dean Carnazes who talked about, you know, if he's got five minutes before an interview, you know, he might do some burpees or something intermittent exercises yeah yeah yeah. and you know that little bit makes a difference when you stack those little bits on top of each Mm -hmm. other and so when you've got 10 minutes then find something because exercise does have a cumulative effect you can do a little bit here and a little bit there and you know lane i think today is is he's got an opportunity to do two runs so he's going to do two runs well he he's going to get the benefit of both of those almost as much as if he had just done one longer run so yeah um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely got a cumulative effect. Yeah, and I see I see people. I, I see you. One of the things, and I don't know if you've ever seen me watching you, uh, but I know like when we're setting up for races or something, uh, I watch you're always doing something. You're finding something to do to make a difference. It may just be a little thing, but it's one thing after another. You go from one thing after another to try to do something to make so it I'm a glad little bit better. You, I'm glad you framed it that way. My wife says I just can't be still. <laughs> well, that's but that's a good thing. That's what I'm saying here is if you can be active and be yeah. doing something, you 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 create things that are good. You know, yeah. if I'm standing around, it always drives me crazy when I'm standing around and there's a bunch of athletes around one of the teams is around and there's like paper or something on the on the ground and we're waiting. Bend over and pick it up. That you got nothing else to be doing right mm-hmm. now. Do something with with do something. Yeah. <laughs> All right and. So we're, we're kind of back. You didn't realize we left, but we did. We had some technical difficulties, and we have corrected that. And so now we're going to just record the rest of this, and this is a little awkward, but we're going to finish it up where we, we're going to repeat. So if you're watching this on video, you're going to see that the video looks completely different because all the lighting is gone. Yeah. But we just put the camera back out. Yeah. So we're going to roll with it. We're going to roll with this. And we were talking about leaving the extras off or, cho- for, or choosing better options and drinking black coffee. Don't use ranch dressing. Ranch dressing is so bad. And, um, you know, use some kind of plant-based herbs or something instead mm-hmm. of salt, instead of mayonnaise. And mm-hmm. so the, You know what I call mayonnaise? I mm-hmm. call it fat in a jar. Yeah. Uh, that's bad stuff. Now, it tastes good. I like the good. way it tastes, but uh, but I don't put mayonnaise. And I'll eat some coleslaw occasionally, yeah. and it has mayonnaise in it. It's about the only way I ever get mayonnaise, though. Yeah. Um, if I go get a, a Whopper at Burger King, then I tell them to leave the mayonnaise off. Really? Yep. 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 Because I just know it's better for me. Yeah. Because I saw, I saw a picture one time of literally how much fat was in a dollop of mayonnaise and it absolutely disgusted me you need to quit watching documentaries yeah. uh, i saw this is actual lie it was it mm. was gross gosh it was gross okay so number seven take the stairs instead of the elevator yeah think about this if you took the stairs every day let's say that you go to work and you go up a flight of stairs and then uh let's say you go to lunch and you come down that flight of stairs mm-hmm. and you go back from lunch you go back up that flight of stairs and you come down again when you leave to go home, let's just say you just use those stairs four times in one day, going up and then down, and you multiply that. Let's say you work 250 days a year. That's a conservative estimate. 250 days a year, that's a 1,000 times up, or, up and down stairs. That's a lot of stair intervals. It is, and it would make a huge difference. Sure. So that's an easy way to do it. 
How about this one? Drink water. Almost exclusively drink water. Don't yeah. drink. Now, there's some, you know, there's some other things out there that are okay and good for us, um, but drink lots and lots of water. Make that your main thing. And uh, how about this one? Don't hang around with people who are not helpful to you to be fitter. If you've got people around you who are naysayers all the time, if you've got people around you saying, ah, oh, let's go do this instead of you going for a run, don't hang well, around that, with them. Well, that's the case for life. It is. Don't, don't hang around people who don't line up with your goals. That's right. Spiritually, physically, athletically, career-wise, you, you, you need to align yourself with people who have the same goals as you. That's right. Um, Kick that's, them to the curb. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying kick them to the curb. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. And people who tell you that you're okay where you are when you know that you're not right. is not a good thing. Um, I know that often, Stay away from enablers. Yeah, enablers. That's a yeah. good way to put it. Yep, yep. And how about this one? We all know this one. We ignore it completely often. <laughs> we all know it. Cut back on sugar. Mm. Um, at least try to find areas where you can cut back on sugar, and it'll make a big difference. One Reese cup instead of three. That's right. One, one, one piece of cookie cake instead of three. <laughs> one Man. small piece yeah. of cookie cake. People are going to think I'm awful, aren't they? <laughs> He's not that bad, folks, I promise. <laughs> um, and last but not least, give yourself grace when yeah. you mess up. And, you, you know, when you do kind of – do something that you know you shouldn't have done. You eat something you shouldn't have eaten. Just go, all right, I messed up. But going forward, I'm going to be better. Sure. And just try to be better. All right, so we are to that time where it's trivia question time. And since we've been on nutrition, let's stay on this uh, avenue of nutrition, or at least something related. Um, and here is the trivia question for this week. What is the leading cause of death in North America? And why is running helpful to lessen the possibility that we'll go that way one day. It's mm, so, a good question. And you may already know the answer to that one, but you have to be the first one to email dean at runforgod.com. Yeah, let's just, let's just go through the rules real quick. Number one, you have to be a Run Club member. That's rule number one. Number two, you have to email the correct answer, to dean at runforgod.com. I pause for a second because there's a there's a, an additional thing you need to do this week. This week, the prize is a copy of Devotions. We have Devotions 1, 2, and 3. And if you like this podcast, we always say that this podcast is just Devotions Live. Right. So it's a 52-week devotional. You can go to runforgod.com. Check it out. Pick one up if you don't have one. But if, you, if you're the first one to answer this question... Send the answer to dean at runforgod.com, not customer service, not Facebook Messenger. Email dean at runforgod.com with the correct answer and which volume of devotions that you would like. So you may have one in three and you don't have two. So send us which volume of that you would like, and Miss Gay will get that in the mail to you ASAP. Yeah, yeah. And here is why running is so awesome. It's so awesome because your main competition is you. Mm. Right, and that's so that's so great about running is that we can improve on that, and it's almost like we're racing ourselves at times, and that's that's a good thing. I think it's a healthy thing. Uh, I look at golf the same way. You know, golf. You don't have to be the greatest golfer to feel like you're making progress playing golf. Right. You don't have to be the greatest runner to feel like you're making progress as a runner. Well, the fastest way to to railroad your running is to start comparing yourself with other people because there's true. always. 
faster people. If I compared myself to you all the time, I would never run again. But I have benchmarks that I hit, and I try each time to get a little bit faster. You know, we we were talking earlier about the, the high school team that we work with, and, and they had a workout yesterday, and it's so cool to see the, the, the guys and girls who get this concept. They show up to practice, and their workout's going to be the same no matter if anybody is there or not because mm-hmm. – they're not worried about everybody else. Now, some of the some of the athletes, it's all about what everybody else is doing. But for a lot of them, they've they've gotten this concept that my workout needs to look the same no matter what's going on around me because it's about me and myself and and bettering, making myself better than last time. And that's the secret to success in this sport. That's the secret to success in a lot of ways. A lot of areas. But 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 specifically this sport, which is what we're talking about. Yep, consistent improvement. It's kind of what kind of what we're supposed to do as Christians, sure, right? Sure, absolutely. We're supposed to be constantly getting better and growth being, is over time. Yep, being being closer and closer to the image of Christ as we as we go on. Exactly. The motivational thought of the week: It's not the distance you must conquer in running; it's yourself. Kind of goes mm. back to all these things that we've talked about today, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Dorelio, um, who wrote a runner's secret: One run will get it done. Uh, that's a quote from him, and yeah, it's. We often look at running as as a physical barrier, and it is a physical barrier. Mm-hmm. But the tougher barrier is the six inches between your ears. We like say we that a lot. About. We do, we do, because it is, because it is. Hey, we hope that you've enjoyed Run Club. Sorry for the technical difficulties, but you know those things happen, and we just keep on rolling. So Absolutely. thank you for being a part of Run Club. We so appreciate you. Um, if you're not a part of Run Club, you need. what are you waiting for? You need to join Run Club. And as we mentioned, you need to become a part of this Couch to Marathon program. We need tons of people doing this. We wanted to inundate Disney with – Tons and tons of Christian folks who are wearing a Run for God shirt and doing something in his name. How cool is that going to be? Wouldn't that be awesome to have a thousand people there with Run for God shirts on? You know, my favorite, I've only ran Disney once, but I know this still goes on because I've heard of other people talk about it. But at mile 20, which we'll talk about this in the the Couch to Marathon program, mile 20 is called The Wall. Some people it happens at 18, some people it happens at 21. But for everybody, it happens. It's there. Well, Disney knows this. They understand the concept. So guess what is it, Mile 20? A gospel choir. I mean, it's like 50 people singing gospel music, and it's like, the first time I heard it, I was like, I've died. I'm in heaven. (laughs) But they knew. They know that spot, and it's just It's an incredible race. Um, It's going to be an incredible weekend, and we want you to come spend it with us. Amen. Amen. So, we uh, hope again you've enjoyed this uh, episode. Now, may God bless every step. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.